This is both mine and Charles' first uh, Policy Docs update yeah. episode, isn't it? Yeah, I've been on the show for about a year, um, and <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time I've had a chance ba- to do this. Baby's first Policy Doc update episode? Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 304. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Perlman, and I am joined this evening, afternoon, morning drive to work by the one and only Charles Feather. Hello, hello. And the one and only Marco Sanchez. Hello, everybody. Actually, are you the one and only? Are there there others? There are others like it, but this one is me. Oh, very good. Excellent. (laughs) All right. So, in this episode, we are proud to announce... That it has been six whole days without an IPG or MTR update. <laughs> we we got from, there. Yep. We outlasted the, I don't know, whatever strike Toby was on. But we finally got an update. <laughs> I'm just, you know, he is not a member of the Screen Actors Guild. He's not participating in that. But we have an update. And we are going to go through all four updates <laughs> like it was actually kind of kind of tiny wasn't so, it so right off the bat when toby announced on twitter uh about three weeks ago two weeks ago that there was an an update coming uh in the initial discussion like two or three posts down toby did state this is not going to be a massive far-reaching update you know we're not we're not changing the way that policy works um it's he, he, you know, I'm just paraphrasing. It was only a sentence or so, but, but he did say that it would only be um, a small update, and that's fine. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think we needed a big no. one. Well, I let me let me see here. I think we. This, I think we needed an update. I don't think we this, needed a big one. This update was about the same size as updates we would get when we would get updates quarterly. Yeah. Right. I think and there there may yeah. be something missing. We'll yeah. get back to that. Well, no, but, let's but, go right into it. Like, what what were we thinking that was going to be updated that maybe possibly is not? Well, there are two things really, right? Um, the first is is um, right there at the top, and I'll let somebody else do it because uh, I want to talk about the other one. Uh, the first one of can, can you can yeah, you say companion. the one that you don't want to do talk about? Oh, oh, I, I do want to talk about it, um, but we're going to talk about it in a little in in a second. I got to find my notes on it. I'm confused. Okay. I can run it's with okay. that. Okay, good. Then you talk about the <laughs> thing if you know what's going on. I, I think I do. Anyways, well, okay. I, I only ever half know what's going on, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I guess one of the things that was not addressed is companion and. We talked at length about Companion actually relatively recently because we were talking about pregame procedures, and we highlighted a couple episodes ago how the rules are a little open to interpretation. Logical interpretation, I hope, but some interpretation. There might be some adjustments and some massaging that could be done to that policy, but uh, it has not been directly addressed in this new update. Now, to be fair, I don't think we see a lot of Companion issues uh, of, of the kind that people are afraid of, right? Yeah, it's been largely I, I, like I, well self-policed, really, and yeah, yeah, not as many people trying to take advantage of it as we all feared the, when they first announced Companion and went, "Wait, we have to trust that my opponent is actually doing this thing to get this free card." That's not okay. So that was 
that was a concern, sure, for like the first week. But just the whole, you know, what happens if, like, I think that whole section of what to do with a with a companion could get a rewrite. Even if it still wants the same outcome, it's just a convoluted flowchart that could really use a rewriting. So I'd like a to simplification. see... I'd like to see a clarification and less something uh, timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, bowl of spaghetti language kind of thing. Like, just write something in a, in a straight manner and don't make me unscramble it. Yeah, okay. so more of a quality of life update there for those newer judges who are, are joining the club and going, hey, what do? Yeah. Oh, we're a club ha- now? Have, have we stalled long enough for Charles to... Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I'm what, together now. So, what's next? So the other thing that's missing for me is uh, I think the USC major needed some updating in language, at least in terms of adding the example uh, that was set forth by Judge Academy in an official post about a year ago about intentionally misgendering another participant at an event or intentionally misgendering a player at an event. Uh, they added that to USC major in a in clear and unambiguous language. Um, m- my problem is, and, and there are a couple of different ways of looking at this, but my problem is, is that I don't love the idea that policy is distributed acor- across multiple documents. Um, while gender is listed under USC major as, as something that uh, unequivocally is listed, um, I, I don't love the fact that there's no example there for intentionally misgendering or listing of intentionally misgendering somebody, which was called out by the official statement by Judge Academy. The current the current policy does cover it. Like, it's not that it's not uncovered. It's just not explicitly called out as an example. Okay, it is covered. However, having an example would strengthen things. But my fear is... Um, that that L1 or that that rules rules advisor out there who's who's running a Friday night magic event who runs into this because this is where it's probably going to happen most often. Um, yeah. They 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 really should have a a very clear statement in there about giving them an example so that they can point to it and say my documentation says this um, and it says it this way. You, we're going to need to do something. Yeah. You know. I, so. so Let's let's real quick then instead of beating around the bush real quick policy okay yep. there is a difference between a there is a clear difference between a one time accidental unintentional misgendering of a person and yes. a deliberate intentional misgendering of a person the yes. first one the one time misspeak kind of thing is a hey don't do that again okay if they if they go right and then they just immediately stumble right into it right away, okay, USC minor, okay, but like a very deliberate, you know, and and you know what's deliberate and what's not realistically, like when you yeah when you say something repetition to them, is deliberate, generally speaking, yes, and if you call them on it and they start doing something anything along the lines of it's my against my religion to lie, that's also one of the things that if it is deliberate. Okay, yes, that is USC major, but they're probably going to stumble really fast into the upgrade clause for USC major, which is unless they stop and like correct the behavior right away, it's going to become a DQ, right? If they're deliberately Mm -hmm. doing that, 
they're probably not going to immediately correct the behavior and apologize because they knew what they were doing. Yeah, it's delicate. It's delicate discussions that need to be have. And I agree. Uh, I would have hoped to see something along the lines of, hey, we're working on making sure that the language for this is correct if they were going to put that example in the IPG. I hope they do. We'll see. Yeah, I, I think in the meantime, um, with our show notes, we will have the link for the Judge Academy statement on intentional misgendering uh, and how players, and how judges should be handling that. It's already actually in the in the show notes in, in our in our document. Yeah, it's at the bottom. Oh, is it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because realistically, when you were talking about not doing the first thing, doing the second thing, I thought you were going to be talking about the, uh, mutate, not being addressed. Yeah. In the, in the, oh, oh, oh. Right? Yeah, mutate's not like, addressed oh, there's, because there's mutate's a second not thing really in here? a problem. Yeah. yeah, we just say, like we're going to address two things not in this update, companion and mutate. And Charles is like, I want the first, you know, I want yeah, the yeah. second. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. No, we, yep. we, we just fast forwarded to the end of the show. Thanks, okay, everybody, for listening. Good night. <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm Brian Prillman, and I keep it confused by the order of things. Here, here's, here's, here's the thing. Uh, judges just need to be aware of it. Uh, please uh, act with kindness um, when, you're, when you're handling a situation like this, but also be firm in your resolve. And that's all I have. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, it's actually kind of convenient that the next thing that we're going to talk about uh, comes so, so seamlessly with a USC major upgrade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what do we got? <laughs> so, and, and I want to talk about this first, just I feel like I'm monopolizing, but the disqualification thing has been something that I've, I've been wondering about. And what happened is, is that in the IPG, there was a link to a disqualification document that did not exist. And over a period of time, uh, what happened was was disqualifications were only to be handled by tournament organizers. They received some instruction set on that, and judges were even cut out of the picture, uh, is my understanding. Um, what we have now is a, a replacement of a functioning link in the IPG so that judges can uh, conduct investigations all the way through to the end of writing the disqualification paperwork and submitting it to Wizards of the Coast, which I think is where we should be wait what oh it's there the link is there in the ipg we can we can we can actually submit it i went and looked at it um and i clicked on the link and i followed through we're able to submit disqualification paperwork again are we yes uh the person submitting can be listed as the head judge or as the judge what's that does not have it's uh under uh one point no hold on sorry uh yeah 1.1 uh, disqualification should be reported here and there's a blue hyperlink click on the hyperlink and it goes to submit a request disqualification form yeah and you have to be logged in um using mm-hmm. your your wizards account and uh, maybe that's what that is but but once you do that you're able to click on a drop down menu that uh okay answers that's... who you are your position in the event well then i'm and so the head judge can submit that yes Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like to me, unless we get some kind of an update um, that clarifies Aww. it further. As of right now, a judge or a head judge can submit it. Okay. And a tournament organizer as well, because it does leave a slot for a tournament organizer as your role in the tournament. If you're working a large event and you're working it for an SCG, an NRG, um, if you're working for pastimes or somebody, do t- talk to your head judge. Your head judge may talk to the tournament tournament organizer there will be some formalized process that happens within the sense of the event 
but it looks like it's working now for if you're working uh, Friday Night Magic, for instance. Okay, this is this is interesting because when I saw the quick hit that said the link in the IPG on how to handle a disqualification has been out of date for some time, that's because it was the link to the old, old, old process. Yes, mm. like two processes ago. So I was so the the current process, and by current I mean a month ago, had a WPN link just like this that only TOs could use. So. When I saw this and saw the link, I was like, oh, they just updated the link to that doc, which I can't use anyway. So, meh. Full out process, ready to go. Which is, re it's really exciting. It, it's great that we're back on, on that page because I think that's where we should be. Well, okay. So, realistically, old DQs, I, I, I probably think that they started letting judges do this because TOs just don't care as much as judges do. Mm-hmm. They're also not trained in how to do it. Uh, sure. I yeah. think that judges probably care more about knowing how to DQ than TOs do. Like, like that's the thing. I, I don't think definitely agree with that. I don't think mm -hmm. TOs care enough to learn how to do a DQ. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Agree. <laughs> okay. Like, realistically, because a lot of times one of the problems is, is like DQing a player is kind of losing a customer. It's also keeping all the other customers, but they don't necessarily <laughs> see it that way. But it, yeah. well, it's, all, it's it also one on the more. It's also they have. it's also one more piece of paperwork. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. you know what? I bet you, hmm. I bet you. Then now with this bit of information, that change right there is what is responsible for the nine hundred day delay. This is just Brian hmm. putting tinfoil hat on, because everything else, everything else is. Who cares? Like, like, why would this hold things up? But that, mm. after all this, after all the stuff that they did, walking back from judges back and and like messing around, because if you remember back before the pandemic, when they removed they removed the uh, the report of what players were suspended from what, they dissolved the player investigation committee, they stepped away from judges being involved in that entirely in twenty nineteen. So I, I bet you that this is what held it up. Fascinating theory. Tinfoil hat time. Nice, yep. nice, nice hat there. Ain't it though? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's some bad hat, Harry. Okay. Oh, oh excellent reference. <laughs> Thank you. Excellent. <laughs> what is that? That's, that's something that they say at the end of a TV show. Well, they yep. say it at the end of the TV show, it's a production company, but it actually came from a movie. Jaws. Thank you. Yep. Is it really in Jaws? Yes. It's oh, in Jaws. Yeah. It's it, the the uh, sheriff is on the beach and he's walking by the old guy and the old guy's wearing you know a bucket hat and uh, he goes that's some bad hat Harry. Yeah, did, teasing. Him. Did we just out reference Brian? It's yeah, possible. for a movie from the seventies too. Like, ooh boy, I'm, I might have to cut this out of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> the source of all his power. Right. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what's you next? You want to redeem yourself with yes. an update here? Yeah, let's talk about this. So this is actually probably one of the two juicy bits of the update, like actual meaty, meaty things that have uh, generated discussion. Um, so Mist Triggers got a tiny little update carving out a specific corner case in which we can do a simple backup. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So Miss Triggers, as we all know, is basically 
you put the you put the trigger on the stack or not and occasionally you know you might come into a trigger that has to interact with things and you can't make a decision that wouldn't have been possible at the time that it would have triggered okay but now we have a small little carve out where we could actually do a simple backup and then put the trigger on the stack so the actual text is in the additional remedies section it says if the player is in the process of or has just completed an action that indicates the trigger has been missed and completing that action would change the effect of the trigger a simple backup may be performed on that action Bleh, what <laughs> Bleh. You, a few you, words, you know it's, you a know it's, lot of ramifications. Yeah, right? It's like one little sentence, and it me it changes Miss Trigger, it, I think, it, a lot. Not oh. a lot. You know, it changes like two cases. Okay, what are the cases? Okay, so basically, here here's the thing. When you go like, okay, what is this, what's this trying to do? All right, I have a chalice of the void set to one. All right. I... Go to Lightning Bolt, Charles's Bear Cub. Look now, that's rude. I go very rude. Bolt that. <laughs> we resolve the bolt. My, my put, bear cub goes to the graveyard. Put the bear cub in the graveyard. It's and terrible. Then you go. Hey, wait a second. That chalice that was, was on to be, one. That chalice was on one. That was your chalice is on one. Your spell Judge. was supposed to be countered. Judge, right? And the currents, or not the current, but seven days ago. The fix was, we could put the trigger on the stack, counter the lightning bolt that's already in the graveyard, right? Right. Not so productive. Yeah, super use, useless. So now, what we have the ability to do is, hey, opponent, hey, Charles? Yeah, yeah. Do you want that trigger to go on the stack? And Charles is going to say... Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, now we can consider... A simple backup, which is we're going to back up to, we're going to ba basically back up the resolution of the lightning bolt. Oh, so my bear cub stays? Yeah. That sounds great. Only if you want it to. Like, you could be cool and not put the trigger on the stack. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, I, 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 think, I think the game demands that we follow through and we do what was intended. Uh, it'd be a lot cooler if you let the bear cub <laughs> stay yeah, dead. All is as it should be. Bear cub lives, all is well. Right. And so what we want what we want to highlight here is is a simple backup is a single action. If you're considering rewinding more than one thing, just stop. Okay? Yeah. A simple backup is now you might argue it's like, well, we had the lightning bolt resolve and the bear cub went to the I mean that's that's essentially all one thing. Okay. Um let's let's not get too fine on that. But a simple backup is reversing the last action. Um, and it's specifically specifically in a way to make sure that the error can be addressed and that the game can continue as it should have, right? Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, that's kind of uh, another another example. Let me, let me get here. Uh, I'll let one of you guys talk about your preordained. But another boogeyman of the format. So if you, this, this card, uh, there was a card called Desecration Demon, and Ooh. this card was also super problematic back in the day. So, Desecration Demons, two black black for a 6-6 six, six flyer. Demon, obviously. Ob. Um, it's flying. It says, at the beginning of each combat, any opponent can sacrifice a creature. If a player does, tap Desecration Demon and put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Well, at the beginning of combat, I miss my trigger. 
and I tap my desecration demon and swing. We and then you go whoa whoa whoa. There's I, supposed uh, to be a trigger there. Well, yeah, there's supposed to be a trigger there. And so here's one of the other questions: is 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 desecration demon generally de- is that a trigger generally a detrimental trigger? Y- y- yeah, it yeah. is. Uh, but so I should be getting a warning. But if we put that trigger on this tech right now. We're going to tap it and put a plus one, plus one counter on it, but it's already tapped and attacking, so... Uh, Whoopsie, we just, now you just yeah, made it bigger. Yeah, we just made it a 7-7 seven, seven now. So, but now, I go, hey, Marcos, I'm going to swing at you with this Desecration Demon. Get in there, turn it sideways. Marcos doesn't want that. Calls for Judge. Nope. And uh, Charles is going to come over and say, Hey, friends, what can I help you with? And we're going to figure out that, you know, the Desecration Demon needs to be backed up before combat. Yep. Yep. That's that's assuming that's assuming that Charles doesn't DQ me for being a filthy cheater. Well, you know, probably right. not. I like Brian. Yeah. Uh, I I fully believe that I've earned enough cred that I can I can get away with one savage cheat. Well, make sure you <laughs> use it at the right time. Then. Yeah, like don't, absolutely. Don't, don't spoil it on something just, R- just great weak. power right. comes great responsibility. Right. Yeah. Absolutely, I'd be like, come on, I'm not gonna throw away my career as a judge for this. <laughs> Got him. Watch so, out, everybody! Right, absolutely. Keep an eye on this one. I got one savage cheat in me. It's I've, I've banked it. I've stored it up, and I'm just gonna wait <laughs> until I don't know. Um, okay, so what's this? Uh, what's this preordain example? And I mean, that's actually more of just an example of what you already talked about, which was you know casting a spell through your own chalice and how it relates to a simple backup. Like you said, simple backup is one thing without any kind of extra complication. Now, let's say that spell isn't a lightning bolt. Let's say it's a newly unbanned and not played as often by certain players preordain. Now we've done a scry two, we've done a draw a card and all that. It, would you consider that to be a simple backup that we could just, oh, should have been countered. Okay, we can back that up, no problem, right? Yeah, I'm not on that list. No, not right I'm, at I'm not. all. I'm not because we're not, talking about scrying, moving cards. We're talking in the about library. hidden. We're talking about hidden zones. Um, hidden zones, drawing a card. Yeah, it's you could terrible. reasonably lose cards from your hand into your library. We're talking modern, so you might have a fetch land on the battlefield. Like, just really think about how simple that "quote unquote" simple backup you're thinking about doing really is. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, it's not like we're saying, "Oh, since there's no back off, they just get off scot free." It's still a warning. Oh yeah. Okay. Like missing your own chalice trigger is a word. Now the fl- the flip side is is I've got the chalice for one. Charles lightning bolts my bear cub, and I put my bear cub in the graveyard. And then I'm like, whoa, 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 wait. Okay. No, no, no. I want that. I want that. I want that countered. Okay. And I call for a judge. Marcos, what are you gonna say in that particular case? So it's my chalice. Mm-hmm. Charles lightning bolted my bear cub. How dare and, you, first of all. And I and I go to put in the graveyard, and then I realize, well, oh, chalice trigger. Well, sorry, friend. It is your responsibility to remember your own triggers. At this point, you have missed demonstrating anything that would acknowledge the trigger being on the stack. Therefore, the trigger has been missed. Well, well, ho- hold on. But but he can't he can't rush his way past my trigger. He rushed. He didn't. You allowed it to resolve and moved the bear cub to your graveyard. That sounds well, to me like you moved past the point where that trigger would have resolved. Well, crap. Well, crap. <laughs> well, crap. <laughs> okay. In reality, the player's going to argue a little bit more. But yeah, base, 
basically, I yep. would, as a heuristic, I would probably say that unless you're giving a warning, um, un well, first off, if the opponent's not putting the trigger on the stack, okay, sure, we don't got to worry about any sort of backup. And and realistically, we're only actually thinking about doing a simple backup if we're also considering giving a warning. Seems right? like a good heuristic. Yeah, it's it's not 100%. I'm sure people will, well, what about this particular case? It's just, that's about the frequency at which you're going to be considering this kind of thing. So if you're if you're just, you know, if you're just mistriggered comes along and you're like, oh, I can do a simple backup, but you're not thinking about giving a warning, just pause and give that another thought. That's it. Solid just another point. thought. Just another little thought. So next up, we got something else that was given a little thought. Uh, <laughs> and this was actually given a little thought on Twitter. I'm still calling it Twitter. It's always Twitter to me. The website formerly known as Twitter. Yes. Uh, and this is an update to deck problems, specifically addressing any missing cards in the middle of a spell resolving. So first off, I'm going to read from the update that Toby put on his blog. Uh, Toby says here, as we were preparing this update, there was a ruling that caused some confusion about missing cards in a deck being found in the middle of the resolution of the spell. There was a nice simple fix where the opponent gets to decide now or when the, when the spell finishes resolving. That makes the decision less ambiguous, so we snuck it in there. So let's talk a little bit about the rewrite to the policy, and then we'll talk about the examples and how it's all going to work. So now under tournament error deck problem, we have this new sentence that says the opponent chooses whether to fix the problem now or when a player would next get priority. Pretty simple and reasonable, but in this instance, we're talking about that dreaded Twitter thread about, uh, uh, what is it, indomitable creativity? Yeah. Yeah, so the sentence... It's, it's the creativity deck. It's the situation where you're flipping, you, you know, for whatever reason, you discover that the deck is missing some cards or that the deck's got some sideboard cards in it or something along those lines after after presenting. Yeah, you've probably heard of this example because it was all over Twitter and there was a lot of discussion about like, oh, well, my opponent can't find their combo piece if they didn't bother to keep it in their deck and things like that. This allows it to have a cleaner resolution because... The way policy was written before, you were just kind of given the opportunity to thin your deck out and, you know, make sure, for example, some people accused you of, oh, well, you didn't put them back in your deck because you wanted to never have to draw them and have that mm -hmm. disadvantage of not comboing to your pieces properly, right? Yeah, so. for for those that are there, uh, destroy X indomitable creativity is X red, red, red. Sorcery destroy X target cre uh, artifacts or creatures for each permanent destroyed this way. Its controller reveals cards from the top of their library until an, uh, until an artifact or creature is revealed and exiles that card. Those players put the exile cards onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Okay. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. So that makes that whole confusing situation of, oh, well, my combo piece of, you know, whether it's the World Spine Worm and the Xenagos or whatever that should be in my deck that are the one-ofs that I'm always going to combo to and always hit with the spell not in my deck that's an awkward situation now there's a nice clean resolution for okay you're not going to get an advantage by doing this so we rule out the cheats but if it was a simple mistake then we can still make it right right and so the particular incident i think was found like look they're looking for three creatures they get down to the last two cards and they haven't hit one of the three cards that should be in the deck <laughs> all right 
But now here is a consequence of this change, an unintended consequence. Okay, if I crack a fetch and I am looking for my only basic swamp and I can't find it under the old policy, we could fix that mid-search. Now the opponent gets, or we would fix that mid-search. Now the opponent gets to choose, which is makes that particular area a little bit worse, but I can kind of accept it because who didn't put the swamp in their deck, right? Yeah, a lot of yeah, these that... aren't going to happen very often, realistically. No, it's 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 not exactly corner cases, but you know it, because it's a gap in in the way things were written before we had to address it. Yup. Yeah. Pretty clean cut, pretty elegant solution to this otherwise confounding problem that had people up in arms on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, and I, I actually think that the Twitter that that the way it was actually done before the policy update was the per policy way to do it. Like, I think policy actually yeah. support. I think the the policy as written kind of kind of supported that, and so. Toby just kind of changed policy to make him right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm... better for one, maybe sure. worse for another. Where where does the balance lie, I guess? Who who does this serve more? At least it's 100% clear now. Yeah. So. All right. Awesome. So that's everything in the IPG. Wow. Right? Yeah. Super quick and easy for the IPG. Yeah, so yeah. we just wait, have to wait another 900 more days for some sort of update. No, no. <laughs> thankfully, Toby did say that, you know, we could expect to see policy updates more frequently uh, now that we've gotten past this, this uh, whatever. Did he? I thought yep. he said. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. He did say he did say that. He did say, though, also that don't expect them all the time. You know, don't expect them with every set was was how it was phrased. Yeah, he said fewer comparable tournaments mean fewer issues are being raised as consistent problems. That fact and everything, uh, the fact that everything more or less held up during a multi-year hiatus suggests that maybe we don't quite need the cadence of updates we had previously. Yeah. yeah. So what I take from that is not ne- somewhere between every quarter and 900 days from now. Yeah. Start the countdown. I, Count up. I, I, would, I would expect things to be updated as necessary. And yeah. there has to be an argument for as necessary. See... If you remember, we were told that there were going to be significant changes to the MTR, right? Larrabee said that he he made that comment on multiple occasions. So where were those? Well, <laughs> for starters, <laughs> where they come? Let's just let's just let's just segue right into authorized cards. Okay, authorized cards. Because realistically, if these were the massive updates that he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for starters, it, it may not be massive, but it wasn't without any amount of complication. There were a lot of people that over the last three years have been very upset with what constitutes an authorized card in Magic. And, and we can easily point to the, the, the elephant in the room of secret layers, but it wasn't just secret layers, right? Yeah. Um, so, so over the last year, it, it, over the last three years, it's been a painful point of discussion. Every time a new secret layer comes out, somebody gets angry that these are allowed, but you know, my, my artist alters 
aren't allowed. You know, what's the big deal? Okay, like if you so don't, if, if you don't so understand on. how secret lair cards, like mass-produced secret lair cards, are different than your one-off alter, you know, alteration cards. If you don't understand how those two things are different, I think you're deliberately uh, not understanding the difference. And but I anyway, understand that perspective. I don't think there were many good faith arguments. I mean, like, yes, I, th- I think there. Was I think there wrong. were a lot of emotional arguments. I, I can I, see that. Yeah, th- there was policy was not correct. Policy should be correct. However, people rigidly and doggedly enforcing policy were like deliberately being contrary, or or what is it, malicious compliance. Okay, so what are we talking about? So, so, so let's dive into this, and, and I'm going to dive into the examples under authorized cards. I'm not going to read the preamble. Uh, so, so the new statements, the first one is cards that unaltered featured gold borders on their front or back, and cards from the Heroes of the Realm series, usually denoted by a different card back, are not authorized game cards. So just so that we're clear, because it, some of our listeners may not know exactly what a Heroes of the Realm card is. Those are cards that are issued by wizards to their employees for some special oh, achievement. Let's, let's, as let's far back as I know, up, right? What, let's what let's back, back up, up for a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, the so the policy of authorized cards. What it did was is it listed um, the the cards that were allowed for sanctioned and now, magic. What's that? For sanctioned or, magic. Or sorry, it it yeah, it was just like you use these. Now it is instead saying everything's allowed except what we're listing. So it it flipped the script because apparently they've just produced so much wacky stuff that it's easier to exclude. It's easier to define what's excluded than define what's allowed. Sure. Okay. All right. So um, here's the realm cards. Uh, They're special cards issued to like a, a, a marketing team that hit this amazing amazing benchmark may have gotten a, a special card printed just for them. So they're extremely limited issue. There might be three, there might be five, there might be 10 in existence. There are not a lot of them. Um, they're highly valued, but they're not authorized game cards. Uh, same with gold bordered cards, which were cards that were printed back in the day and, and well, is recently a year or two ago um, to, ce- to celebrate um, uh, either a, like a, a championship deck or uh, an older card or whatever. So the actual border of the card, instead of being white or black was or silver, was gold. And those those are not actual uh, cards that you're allowed to use in, in tournament magic. Um, so we have those, right? Uh, then we have silver bordered cards and cards with an acorn-shaped security stamp or acorn-shaped symbol uh, may only be used in casual events and only when the format explicitly permits them. So basically, if you're not playing an, an un, un event, you're not allowed to play them in Magic. That's that's really what that's saying. Um, it's it's a very it's a very wordy way of, of, of saying that, but it's important to be clear. Um, so if you're not playing in an Infinity event or or an Unstable event, it, you're not supposed to be using them in Tournament Magic. Uh, does that mean that you can't use them at your kitchen table? No. And the same with the, the the gold bordered cards and the other ones. If you want to play kitchen table magic and play, you know, that those 60 squirrel cards that you have and, and half of them are silver bordered, go for it. Have fun. Yep. So long as the people in your play group enjoy it too, it's no big deal. Um, the next cards that we talk about are cards labeled not for constructed play, play test, 
or featuring a playtest sticker or picture of a playtest sticker on another magic card may not be used in constructed events. Uh, this is specifically a call out, really specifically a call out, at least in recent years, to mystery boosters and to the Gavin Verhey events at GPs. Uh, oh, well, not GPs, uh, Magic Cons. I'm Ooh. sorry. Wow, I'm old. I'm what sorry. was that? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, but the, <laughs> the Gavin Verhey events that draw 400 players and are absolutely crazy rule systems and the whole the whole wild environment and everybody's having a good time, um, the cards yeah. that you get from that, there are some really weird cards that have no art. Um, those are not allowed in sanctioned play. They treat them just like Silver Border. You just can't play them outside of those events. So there's there's some other phrasing changes in in the remaining guidelines in the MTR here. Yeah, um, I like this one in particular. Because yeah, why, why don't you talk about this one then? Yeah, I'm a big uh, proponent of having a very clear and visible game state. Uh, so much so that like I'm that player that brings enough tokens that my deck generates with every one of my decks because I can't just like throw 18 dice on the table and expect anybody to know what's going on. And Wizards, thankfully, feels the same way. They include, and here's the text of the update for the MTR. Wizards includes additional game material in packs intended as game aids and not as traditional cards. Examples include tokens, title cards, dungeons, and art cards. These are not required for play, and players are welcome to use any representation that is clear to both players when they are needed in the game. Now, as much as I say that I love keeping a clear game state and I like to have all of these cards with me to make sure that everybody knows what's going on, not everybody can do that. Pre-release weekend, you don't have enough roll tokens for every single card that needs a roll in your deck, so you might have to use a blank sleeve or something else to designate what this is. And this whole paragraph here is just kind of giving an overall encompassing definition to what a game aid is, specifically that's been made by Wizards. So uh, previously in the former iteration of this, they only called out dungeons as a game aid. Now we have another dungeon that got added to the initial batch of dungeons. We have indicator cards for when the ring tempts you and rolls and really who knows what else is coming down the pipeline we have so many predefined tokens nowadays that like it can be a little confusing we can stickers oh my stickers. goodness stickers don't get me started on stickers but i don't want to get you started on stickers <laughs> regardless we have a lot of things that we may need to help us play the game more properly and this is just kind of all encompassing everything that could be included in there as Wizards makes game aids. They're not required. So specifically, look, I know I just said don't get me started on stickers, but for the example of stickers, you don't need to have a card of stickers to play a deck that has stickers. You can generate one of these sticker cards by basically pulling one up as it would look if you had the real card and using that as your quote unquote sticker card because, you know, there just aren't that many of them out there. There's a finite number. So this is making it a little clearer for everybody to understand that they don't need to have the dungeon card. We can help you find the info you need from dungeons. You don't need to have the roll card because call a judge. We can give you the definition of what this role is and does. But please, if you play those formats regularly, please, you know, invest the 10 cents, get the token. Yeah. It's just easier, but we understand. Nah, don't make it miserable. Maybe it was just not making stickers. <laughs> 
I, every time, every time someone's like stickers, I and I I think I've said this before, but I in my head I say it with the same tone and inflection as uh, in Time Bandits when they had the 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 devil character scream nipples on men with such contempt. <laughs> I just, love that movie. Right? I love that movie. That He's is, just like that is a brilliant movie. He's just like listing stupid things that God created that have no value and just nipples on men. <laughs> you know? the, the, you the have whole... redeemed yourself and earned your reference crown back. Brian. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. That's what that's I I just I just in my head stickers is said with that same just contempt for their uselessness. Friends, Time Bandits is one of those movies. If you've never seen it, you should probably hunt down and give at least one viewing to. It's I just dr- drink. Not that we're condoning <laughs> altering your mental state. However, I think it is better if, like, I don't know, like you're high on Nyquil or something like that. Not that we're condoning <laughs> that. Just say that's an extremely specific example, Brian. I th- I think we should move on. I th- I think okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's I, th- I think we've said enough there. So I, okay. So so so, pl- so the statement about players being allowed to use non-English and or misprinted cards, uh, provided they are not using them to create an advantage, that has not changed. It's identical to before. Um, there's no mm-hmm. need to change that statement. It's great. There's also no change to the artistic modification statement um, here. It's what it is. You know, I I didn't expect them to change it. I. If, if there was going to be a change, it would have probably blown uh, a lot of people away. I know that people want to see it, but um, it's not there now. And, and I don't know at what point in time it would they would consider doing that because then they're just they're giving away their intellectual property in some sense if they do that. And, and oh. that's 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 the way I feel. But yes. What? One other hmm? thing they fixed with the fix with the wording. Yeah, you can't get you can't get all smuggity smug smug with uh swords two plowshares you know with the number two it's just like they just wrote it in they're like yeah yeah yeah, you know it's in there now right right Right. now the head judge is still the final authority on acceptable cards for a tournament you know yeah um Mm -hmm. in i i know that there are vintage players out there with heavily modified cards and depending on what it is a head judge will sit there and will allow it but it's still on you if they don't allow it, you need to have the correct card in a uh, format that is not violating the policy. But uh, but yeah, you've got all the uh, it calls out the where you've got the universes beyond and the universes within versions. They call that out. Uh, mm-hmm. They call out swords to plow. You know, boys to men. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, now you just gave me an alter idea. <laughs> okay. They also mentioned. Uh, and they just added like one little line in near the end after they were talking about like, oh, if a player is required to replace a card, you can do so with a card named Plains Island, Mountain, Swamp, Forest, etc. Uh, but they also added the head judge of a tournament may issue a proxy, parentheses, see section 3.4, which funny enough comes right after this line, uh, for a card that has become worn or damaged during the tournament. Going back to what Charles said, the head judge is the authority regarding what an acceptable card is for a tournament that includes art that includes oh judge my opponent ate my jace so you know can you issue me a proxy whatever it is they're going to be the final arbiter for that 
Right. Well, hold right. on. The, that line about the head judge of the tournament may issue proxy for any card that has become damaged or worn, that, that hasn't changed. That was in there uh, before. They added it to that section because the uh-uh. previous section did not have that line. Uh-uh. 3.3 three, three authorized cards? Yeah. Yeah, it was there. Oh, it was there, but they moved it then. Uh, no, they just deleted everything that was below it. So it used to be in the middle of a paragraph. <laughs> and now okay. it's at the bottom. Or it, it used to be in the middle of the section. Or actually, I'm looking at the... Dis- no, so it was ca- at the top. Yeah, Academy Ruins... I'm gonna. Uh, they haven't done this with the IPG yet, but a really nice thing that they do is they do a diff between the versions of the CR and now because we have an MTR update, the MTR. So you can actually see word for word what the differences are. And for oh, I just found an old PDF. <laughs> yeah, and for the for the authorized card section, what it basically boils down to is is they kept like three sentences. And deleted everything else and then added a whole bunch more. Yeah, okay. Totally missed that, that it moved from up in the authorized cards all the way to the bottom. Probably yeah. just a segue better into well, 3.4, which is right after it. I went looking because when you said they added that and I looked at that and I was like, well, wait, well, hold on now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, That's what it was before. So from the document that promotes... Uh, all of these changes that Toby wrote, there is a quote that I want to share directly. And he says, given the many, many printings of cards out there, it is possible Mm -hmm. that we accidentally made something legal that obviously should not be. Assume that it's still illegal and let us know so we can close the hole. Um, I'm not sure of anything that I've been able to think of that is, uh, speaks to this particular thing, but if you come across something, um, assume it's still legal and email Toby. He'd like to hear from you. This is basically the don't be maliciously compliant in the opposite direction. Yes, mm. yes. This is this is a newly phrased policy. It's reworked. It still has the same intent as the old policy. So please don't, you know, uh, just, you know. It's, it's yeah. clear as night and day. Oh, that's hey. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> all right, bye. Bad segues, not just for release notes. <laughs> no, not at all. So who wants to do night and day? Marcus and I did a really good job on the last one, so I think it's your turn. Get after it, Brian. Okay, sure. (laughs) Section 9.4. Now, some of you might know that with the various Innistrad set, they introduced the night and day mechanic. I'm going to pause you. You're going to want to timestamp this? Yeah. You said Mm -hmm. 9.4, you transpose the numbers. I said 9.4. I'm not yes, going to timestamp that. Oh, come on. I'm, nope. I'm <laughs> doing gonna, it live. Do it live. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. Why? Because I got things to do this week and I don't want to edit that. All right. <laughs> MTR 4.9. For there those we go. Of you playing at home. <laughs> they added a whole new section. Now, as you know, it's kind of a bit of a pain in the butt when players lose track of whether or not it's supposed to be night or day. Yeah. All right. Uh, Because the card comes in, makes it so the game cares about night or day, then the card goes away, and four turns later, uh, there's another card played that cares about night or day, and nobody remembers what it is. All right. And no one's been keeping track because it hasn't mattered. So what are... Wonderful policy update says it's got a whole section, whole brand new section on a night or day. It's a whopping four sentences, five sentences. 
is night and day is a state that can change over the course of the game, but is not controlled by either player. That means even the player that introduced the night and day cards, they're not solely responsible. Once I make a mess, Charles has to live with it too. Um, I swear, Brian, stop doing yeah, that. Yeah, I know. I almost said some stuff that I would actually have to edit out. Um, <laughs> once created, it continues to be tracked, even if there are no objects in the game that care about its current the current state. It is the responsibility of both players to track the current state and to point out when it is represented incorrectly by shared by the shared method being used to track it. Okay, so this is basically saying we both responsible for it, even though I introduce it into the game. Damn it, Brian. Yep, I'm <laughs> causing problems. Because responsibility uh, for this state is shared, which is really just making it shared because it makes the solution easier. Uh, because the responsibility of the state is shared, any erroneously represented state should be handled as a communication policy violation, but neither player receives a warning. If the if and that's the sentence that we're going to be talking about, we're going to talk else. about that a little yep. bit. Yeah. If the mm-hmm. players and judges are unable to determine the current status, basically you come over there and we're trying to do an investigation, and the answer is shrug emoji. Um, <laughs> the judge should assume it's night, as a turn with no spells played is more likely to be forgotten than a turn with multiple spells played. Which, yeah. That's that's a true story. So that's your... That's reasonable. That's that's oh, your... Yeah. We have exhausted all opportunities or all methods to figure out what's going on. I have done the investigation and I am stumped. Then it's more likely that it's nighttime. Okay. So let's let's talk about what it means to be a communication policy violation. So, okay, so yeah, yeah. Uh, joking aside, it's always CPV. Um... <laughs> I, I, you, I, you take that back. Yeah. You monster. <laughs> I, I don't, I personally don't love nobody's receiving a warning. I don't know who to give the warning to, but I, I mean, that's know, why sitting, they... sit, sitting there yeah. saying this is, it's, it's almost like we're going to treat a CPV like Miss Trigger. Um, oh yeah. No warning. Um, I, I, I really feel like I want to track this. I mean, you're um, still giving a CPV. You're just not giving a penalty or, or giving a, uh, penalty for it you're giving the infraction you can still track uh, when when was the last time you actually wrote down miss trigger miss trigger i i can't remember ever doing that we're not wait, tracking that and, and i don't think we're tracking this right uh. so so communication hmm. po- communication policy violation if you really think about it okay it's it's kind of one of the things where i go hey marcos how many cards you got in your hand and marco says eh, three he's lying yeah, not intentionally. Always. He's just wrong. He's actually got four cards in his hand, so he he was in. It was incorrect, or we're basically broadcasting information that is incorrect, and that's kind of what's happening. Like if you've got your day night marker and it's been sitting on day for a while, you know it's broadcasting the the wrong information, and if you can't figure it out, you can't figure it out. So realistically, what policy wants to do is just fix it. Okay, that's kind of the goal. Like like if there's a life total discrepancy, you just fix it. Okay, we're treating it like a CPV comes in. And the reason why I think we're treating it like a CPV is because of the additional remedy. So what's the what's the additional what's the additional remedy for CPV? Additional remedy? 
Okay, so the additional remedy for CPV is a backup may be considered to the point of the action, not the erroneous communication. Right. So what happens is, is and the action that it's talking about is the, the player, the opponent specifically, has taken an in-game action or clearly chosen not to act based on the erroneous information. So by calling it CPV, we basically get to rewind to the point if we're going to rewind we get to rewind to the point that it would matter like decisions were being made based on the day or night status okay so how does that affect a card that comes in on its day side when it should have come in on its night side so if if i don't think a decision was made incorrectly there or or because of wrong information other than just the the card Right, but the decision was in that particular regard is which which is which is coming up, or um, it's on the it's on the stack, or if it's on the stack and I'm gonna start putting it day side up, I guess the question is is well, I wouldn't have cast it had I known that it was day. Mm. I thought it was night. Right. So if we're if we're catching that like mid cast or something like that, then yeah, I would I would consider that as rewinding to the point of the point of action Mm -hmm. okay now we do have to get into the situation where obviously the player with playing day night creatures is probably incentivized to want it to be night and the other player is incentivized to want it to be day probably okay seems reasonable yeah however when we're talking about what spells were played it's kind of hard to have one player remember uh, two spells that weren't cast or forget that um, uh, that two spells were cast or one spell was cast, that kind of thing. Right. It's, it's kind of hard that no one is going to, that the opponent is not going, is going to falsely remember or, or, or just not remember or not keep track of at all. Like, in, how many the, competitive players do you encounter that once something stops mattering in the moment, they just, focus all their attention on something else that matters more and i think i think there's going to be some evidence and the odds are of your opponent forgetting what actually happened in the exact way that's convenient for you is very unlikely yeah and i do like philosophically the idea that it just gives us a default answer because like yeah by the end of the game later on in the game you're top decking you don't have you know a whole handful of cards that you have all these different options in front of you. The further along the game goes, normally night is going to happen more likely than day. So given that default is a great starting point, investigate and do the best you can with a definitive answer. And if you can't, well, then you have a default and you don't have to flip a coin or you know, do something that a one of the players is going to inevitably find to be unfair. Yep. Now you're supported by policy. <laughs> all right, and that's kind of it isn't it yeah there there was a status update to the mtr for status information um, oh right the ring the ring temps us uh was added there uh status information it's one of four categories of information that in the game uh, the four categories are status free derived and private uh, according to the mtr status information must be announced on change and tracked by the affected player other examples of status information include things like life totals, encounters, and unspent mana. Um, you know, things that you would normally track, you know, almost together with your opponent. Um, those those things are status information. 
So Ring Tempsis okay. was added. Yeah. Nice addition. Yeah. So, you know, judges, uh, now that we have a new MTR and a new IPG, make sure you're updating your apps on your phones. Uh, I'm not sure when each app update goes through, but check and make sure that your apps are reflecting the new state of the world so that when you reference it, you have the correct information to look at. Yeah, I've uh, already put out the uh, APB for annotated IPG and annotated MTR, so those will probably be updated within the week. All right. And as an iPhone user, uh, if you use the MTG Guide app, uh, not sure if you know this, but it's a handy little trick. If you're under the IPG section and you're unsure, did it update to the latest version? Do I have the latest version? Uh, when you're in the IPG tab, if you just pull down, at the top it reveals infraction procedure guide effective. And in my case, it says oh. February 5th, 2021, because this has not been updated. So I yeah. know I can't use this one. Little this, pro tip is, for you. this is the first time that it's been more than like two or three days. Mm -hmm. since an update came in i wonder what's going on yeah we might have to ping the developers and give them a poke hippa it's a hippa buddy <laughs> i paid my five dollars nine years ago chop chop <laughs> get, get on, on it. it get on it right yeah but yeah so with all those in place any other thoughts about after looking at all these changes how do we feel what what just anything come to mind one thing I definitely want to highlight here, and this is kind of something that's come up as we've been discussing things when the policy documents haven't been updated regularly, is just how much it matters to really consider the philosophy behind each of the components of the IPG and what these are trying to do. Because sometimes things are going to happen. The magic machine is going to keep rolling forward with all these kinds of wacky cards that have baseball treatments and all this stuff that may or may not fall within this policy and it's kind of up to all of us to interpret it in a way that makes sense according to that philosophy so if you haven't read through the philosophy sections in the ipg especially in a little while reread them and really make sure that you're internalizing that because you're gonna have to find a way to balance the philosophy of the policy with what's actually happening in front of you and sometimes it's not going to work out the way you had hoped. And sometimes you just have to make that snap decision to go, you know what, this doesn't feel right. I'm going to grab the head judge or I'm going to go talk to my team lead and we're going to try and figure out a way that makes this feel right. Yeah, I think the, poly the philosophy sections become more important the older you get. And I'll, let, me, let me explain why. When you're first starting out, it's very important to learn the what before you learn the why if you look at if you look at level one we learn the what of the rules and then at level two we learn the why of the rules in a lot of cases and then yeah. you also learn the what of policy and l3 is you learn the why of policy the when you're going for the, those levels where the philosophy really helps you is three years later and nine updates ago um <laughs> when because and this is one of the things like l3s you you think we're supposed to be like these these super pillar policy expert kind of kind of folks when in reality we've got a decade of little tiny policy updates rattling around in our brain and so when we're just like okay what's policy now am i remembering current policy or am i remembering current policy from 2016 you know yeah. 
the philosophy, though, tends not to change, okay? And yeah. the philosophy is what lets you, if you start to struggle, it lets you derive the correct answer. Like, you might not know the equation, but you can derive the, you know, you can derive the correct answer from the, the stuff around it. And that's that's what helps, you know. Obviously, if you need to, you look up the, look up the answer to get the correct answer, but... Uh, an understanding of the philosophy will absolutely serve you in remembering what the correct answer is. And those times that you come across something wacky and kooky, it'll let you fill in the holes and the gaps from the actual printed uh, additional remedies sections yeah. and definitions. Yeah, and just also very importantly is just moving along in your judge career to not regurgitating rulings and more just making sure you understand the rulings and why it needs to happen in a certain way like because that's really what brian is talking about here the philosophy is what matters it brings you to the right state even if you're not sure exactly like i had to look up just now what was the exact uh remedy for cpb because well guess what i've only given it like once or twice in my whole career but you know i knew the pot the the reasoning behind cpb and why it matters so the rest just falls into place with the support of the documents all right. Anything else to add, Charles? No. Um, I'm just fascinated with the changes that we got. Uh, I, I'm excited. I, I like seeing new policy. I like seeing how it shakes out. I like seeing what happens in the tournament halls as a result of getting our hands on something shiny and new, especially this this new missed trigger change. Um, it was it was I, encouraging I th- to have something positive to talk about for a change. Yeah. Yeah. It, right. It, it, but but I, th- I think it's also great and energizing, and it's nice to see it. So uh, it, the one thing that I do want to say is when you do figure things out um, and you figure out that, hey, you know, this one thing may not work the way that it was anticipated, and you figure that out with your team and everybody pretty much agrees, take some time after your event, write it all down, send it into Toby. Let Toby know how things are working out because Toby needs to hear these things. Uh, Toby Elliott is the keeper of policy. And uh, if he doesn't get feedback about a wild and crazy situation that things just did not address correctly or something just is broken, um, then we can't get future policy updates. So before we end our episode officially, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about something that is a bit of a gear shift from our jovial joking episode but we do definitely want to acknowledge the fact that the magic community lost somebody i don't i don't even think the words extremely important come even close to summing it up but uh, an absolute pillar of our community both in magic and gaming and in judging and that's the loss of sheldon menory yeah uh so for those of you that are not aware um Sheldon Mennery passed away last Friday uh, as of recording of this episode. He retired from judging in 2011, so 12 years ago. Um, So it's very likely that not many of you, uh, the listeners, have worked with him in the past. However, you know, most people are aware of him as a member of the Commander uh, Rules Committee uh, writer on Star City, uh, uh, lover of fine wine, and trophy husband. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. However, he was very much instrumental in 
uh, overhauling the process of investigations and because when when he started judging was there was a lot of cheaters in the game and he really spearheaded an effort to clamp down on that and investigation procedures and that kind of thing so even if you like playing commander or your you know that is your perception of his impact on the game he was a level five judge he inspired a ton of people he was very 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 direct and very smart and he just had like a persona about him he was also super kind and encouraged encouraged the best out of you so yeah uh yeah uh and when when i say like super super blunt um he was obviously he lived in tampa my my very first encounter with him uh i was a judge but i was a player in a pre-release one of the like scars of mirrodin i think and he was but he was a gunslinger at that particular event and the this was a regional pre-release so it was one of the larger pre-releases and there were judges on staff running the pre-release. Uh, one of them was Ben McDowell. He was a level two down here. And very, very gruff, blunt, intimidating judge uh, for a, a little BB, <laughs> BBL1, Brian Prilliman. And I just kind of walked by the gunslinging table. And Sheldon's like, it's like, hey, you're the new guy. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> oh, he, he knows who I am. <laughs> and And he's just like, Part of being a judge is being able to give actionable, constructive feedback to other judges. And then he just looks at Ben, who's right there. Tell Ben something he can improve on right now. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) Right. It was just like, uh... Wow. Right. And so it was just... Um, I think I kind of think what he was doing was he was he was in a discussion with Ben about Ben not doing something proper and was kind of hoping that I would come up with the same thing. I I didn't, but uh, yeah, uh, we also judged a a Halloween dog costume contest together for one of the pet shelters that he supported and worked with. Uh, so it was, it was Ben, myself and Sheldon were there just as people just brought up their dogs in costumes. And I've got a picture of Sheldon holding a dog in his share costume. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Right. You need to share that if you can. Also have a picture of, of, of Ben getting licked a lot by a possum in a Dracula cape. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's a but, sentence that I just had no idea yeah. where it was going when it started. <laughs> I and didn't I'm, do it. I'm, I'm so happy yeah. I was along for the ride. But but Sheldon Sheldon truly was, and this this is just kind of one of these moments of of sharing happy memories at the the leadership conference this past weekend. We had on Sunday a period of time where people would come up, would be able to go up and just share uh, moments moments with with Sheldon, and it's really impressive and just kind of awe-inspiring the impact that he has left on the judge community uh even when you you don't look at the very very visible obvious stuff of all of the commander edh stuff you know not not to undersell that but um it's amazing that he had that much of an impact in two entirely different facets of 
this game, you know? Yeah. It's it's kind of one of the things, like, the Commander community is probably, like, like Sheldon's ours, and it's like, no, the Judge community had him first. Um, <laughs> so. The, the neat thing about Sheldon was, was his personality was big enough to share, and then even more, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I've, I've used the word mensch to describe Sheldon when I, when I talk about him to other people. I got to meet him and talk to him one time, and I got to spend, you know, a couple of hours over, over the course of two days at an event because uh, I was working on something, and, and I, really, I, I really need to get back to it. But the point is, is that Sheldon just sat down with me and just, he, it's not unloading. He shared. He shared with me for, for, for over the course of two days, two different times, uh, stories and, and thoughts and, and very, when, when you say he was blunt, yes. Sheldon was blunt. Um, he had a way of looking at things, and, and he may not have shared others' opinions, but he came at them with an informed and critical eye. Um, and and the, guy, the guy was just, it's just amazing to me. And, and I'm so sorry that he's passed. Yeah, I haven't had that much FaceTime with him other than just a few quick hellos and, and appreciative mentions on my part to him for all the things that he's done, both on the judging and commander side. But the thing that I've always heard and always heard in his voice whenever I did hear him speak is just a lot of joy in every little thing that he cared about. Like, And it's really funny. Um, Charles posted a link to an episode of JudgeCast where Sheldon was actually a guest on from uh, way back in the day, I believe it was episode 54. And over the weekend, I took some time to take a listen to it again. And beyond just getting a, a very big flashback of CJ, Jess, and Brian just shooting it with uh, with Sheldon for a little while, it was just very inspiring to hear how his perspective was on what judging was and how judges could approach the community and how building something meant so much to him. It was apparent in every single word that came out of his mouth and it was inspiring because it reminded me how much of this community came from people like him really just dedicating so much of themselves to creating something out of literally nothing with almost no external incentive other than just I want to do good and that's an incredible legacy for him to leave behind so yeah cheers to you Sheldon I'll definitely be playing a game of Commander soon and hopefully enjoying probably not as good wine as you would hope I would drink, but a glass of wine nonetheless. So, do we have any other thoughts? Don't everybody speak mm. at once. <laughs> uh, I have a thought of go play a game with somebody you care about and don't care so much about who wins. Sounds like a good game of Commander to me. Yep. All right. So, uh, are we good for the outro then? Yep. Okay. Yep. Excellent. All right. That's our episode. Join us next time when we may talk about judging another trading card game. Uh, we're not going to tell you which one yet. We're you'll cheating. have to tu- you'll have to tu- tune in to see what we do. Until then, you can send us an email at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at judgecast and on blue sky at judgecast.bsky.social. Until then, I'm Charles Feather and I keep it fair. I'm Marcos Sanchez, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman, and I keep it respectful.